good morning to you guys. Man, it's so good to to be with you guys today. Uh, we're going to continue on in the series of unsung heroes. And studying these passages of Scripture uh, allows God to really show us some not-so-obvious heroes of the faith and in the Word. We've covered the Old Testament, and we've covered the New Testament. And today we're going to be in John chapter 8, and we're going to uh, be, the title of the message is The Reaction of the Act. And we'll be in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Now, <clears throat> how many of you have ever been caught in the act of doing something wrong, like just caught dead head, dead, I mean, there's no getting out of it whatsoever. How many of you? Now, a lot of you are being honest, a lot of y'all lying, okay? Because <laughs> I tell you, there ain't nobody in this room that hasn't been caught red-handed in the act. <clears throat> when I was uh, reflecting on this message, the uh, Lord took me back to third grade, and when I was in third grade, that was, that was honestly the toughest uh, grade that I've ever, ever, ever had to go through. And all my years from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade and even in college, third grade would be probably the worst year school-wise of my life. Now, how many of you, now maybe showing my age, how many of you know or had Miss Ethel Sanders as a teacher? Miss Ethel Sanders. Oh, Crystal had her. Okay, you guys had her. Okay. All right. You had Miss Ethel Sanders. Oh, I know you did. You was a pick of hers. Me and Kyra, we worked together, so we always, we always joke around. Kyra had a much different experience than I had in third grade. Well, Miss Sanders, she was a tough teacher, but I will tell you, she was a great teacher. Okay. There are some things that I learned that year that I still still carry to this day. One of them is my handwriting. Handwriting in Miss and Kara tell you we joke around sometimes at work, you know, and we've actually went back and and you could write. This was back in the day when you learned how to write in cursive. I know that's French to some of you young people today, but you need to learn how to write in cursive. Okay, so we learned to write in cursive. And you better believe you better write exactly like she taught you. Because if you didn't, you were going to fail. It was just that simple. Now, now who remembers, and I don't know if she did this for every class, <clears throat> but who remembers something special about Miss Sanders at lunchtime? Those of you who had Miss Sanders, can you remember what there was something special that she did at lunch every day? What was it? What was it? Pray? No, she didn't pray. Mm. Nah. Nah, that wasn't it. <laughs> I prayed a lot for her, though. Whew. Y'all don't remember what she did at lunchtime? That's right. At lunchtime, what she would do, you would be assigned, as a boy, you would be assigned a girl, Okay. And you could pick that girl. Like, she would start the alphabet from A. Of course, I'm W. So that was like way long time before I even got to pick my pick the girl I wanted to, to pull out the chair. But basically what you would do is Miss Sanders, she would go and you'd be assigned a girl. Say, I may, may be assigned to Alexandria. <clears throat> and so me and Alexandria, we would walk to the lunchroom together. 
and I would have to get Alexandria's plate. I would carry it to her spot where she wanted to sit. I set her tray down. I'd pull her chair out, seat her, and then I could go and get my lunch. Now, she taught us a lot of things that year. I mean, she taught us manners and that kind of stuff. But let me tell you what Miss Sanders really liked. She really liked the paddle. How many of you like, how many of you remember a paddle that she had? That thing was wrapped. I mean, y'all, it had a handle on it, probably about like that. It was wrapped in masking tape, that yellow tape, you know. And it was curved, you know, had holes drilled in that bad boy. She taped that thing. And let me tell you, she'd wear you out. I mean, she would wear you slap out. Well, it was one of those things where if you got in trouble like the first day, you were on the hit list. <laughs> and guess what old dumb butt Mark did? I got on the hit list the first day. We're sitting there. We, we, you know, she's sitting in the chair. We're sitting Indian style. And she tells us that that carpet is dirty, okay? And it's going to be dusty. So y'all don't need to be patting the carpet and creating dust. Oh, God, don't tell Mark White that. So Mark White, you know, my daydreaming self, I'm sitting in there, and I'm, boy, I've got a dust cloud going. Boy, it's like a storm brewing. Man, next thing I know, man, she yanks me up, and she wears me out from the whole class. Sends me up off the reading carpet. I go into my, into my seat I have to go. And after that, it was on. Every single day, I was getting paddled and stuff. Well, the thing about it was back in them days, you know, your mom and dad, they got a note sent home almost every day. Well, my parents, I don't know how about y'all's parents. Now, some of y'all soft on your kids because y'all, oh, my little darling ain't nothing. Nah, Mary White, mm-mm. You got in trouble at school, you're going to get your butt tore up at home. And that's what happened. Every time I get my tail tore up at home. Well, that year, I kind of struggled. Y'all, I told y'all about me selling the library, right? I failed library. I don't even know how that's even possible. But anyway, I failed library. Man, I mean, she loved pop quizzes. She loved just, you know, pop-up tests. You know, pop-up tests were stuff you couldn't study for. And, and I hear, I'm a general population kid. I'm not smart. You know, so what I do, I had to fail them. I fail them. But I made zeros on a lot of them. Of course, you got to take them bad boys home. And your mom and daddy had to sign them things. Well, I'm getting worn at home and at school. And then so I devised a plan. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going uh, to help Mary White out. You know, dad, dad stayed working a lot, so mom would always help me with homework, and, you know, she would sign my tests and everything else. So, you know, I said, well, mama, mama didn't mind if I got C's. And for you young people in college, C's make degrees. Don't tell anybody you got that. You ain't got to make Magna cum laude, summa cum laude, that's a bunch of junk. Piece of paper, piece of paper, okay? C's make degrees. So my mom was like, C's, C's are better, it's fine. Because that's probably the best I could do. I was, I was, you know, average kid. So anyway, I, st- I was making D's and F's and, Z- and even zeros. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting tore up at school and I'm getting tore up at home. So here's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to help Mary White out. My mom was so busy. She's just so busy, bless her heart. She was taking care of my grandmother. And so, you know, my grandmother, she was in the nursing home, so I was like, I got to help mom out. So instead of, you know, taking them zeros home and those D's and S, you know, for her to sign, I just, 
I took it upon myself to help my mama out. Okay? And I said, you know, I want mama had awful handwriting. So I said, I want to sign mama's name to these things. And then that way, I don't get in trouble with mama. Okay? And Miss Sanders, she don't care. I mean, or at least I didn't think she cared. Well, I started signing bad boys. You know, so the only thing I'm taking home, y'all, is I didn't have any A's. I can tell you that right now. I had, like, B's and C's. So I'd take them home. And so the, the, the D's and S's and zeros, I'd sign them jokers. Well, that's all fine and dandy until back in those days, I don't know if they have it now, but they have, like, parent-teacher conferences. How many of y'all remember parent-teacher conferences? Okay. Well, my mom worked in surgery, so a lot of times she was on call, so she wouldn't get to show up to those things. So I felt pretty confident that even if she was on call or wasn't on call during those times, she probably wouldn't be able to go because she always took care of my grandmother. She would have to literally go feed my grandmother. My, my grandfather, her mom was a, was a vegetable pretty much. She couldn't talk, couldn't eat. She'd feed her with a syringe with baby food, and she lived like that for like nine years. So at 4 o'clock, mom was always doing that to 4 to 5. Well, past 5 o'clock, they ain't got no parent-teacher conferences. So I felt pretty good. Well, lo and behold, one day Mary White decides she got to go to a parent-teacher conference in the third grade. So what happens is, I didn't know this, but evidently at parent-teacher conference, you teachers, how many of you teachers are in the room? Go ahead, raise your hand. I won't embarrass you. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to embarrass you. What y'all do, y'all like to throw them things out there, don't you? You like to throw out all that work. So lo and behold, when Mary White goes to that parent-teacher conference, Old Miss Sanders, she lays out all Mark's work. All Mark's work. Well, Mary White notices. She's like, hmm. I knew there were some zeros and stuff, and, but I didn't know there was that many. So it didn't take Mama Long to figure out no Mark and none for her signature. And so I'll never forget, my mama had a big old, big old station wagon. If you knew my mom, and us, we always had a big old station wagon growing up. And I was in the field down that day playing with my friends Kim and Anna Reagan and we were sitting down there playing and I could hear walk, walk. I was like hmm mama coming in pretty hot you know <laughs> so we go around there and you know she she slams that big old station wagon up in that driveway she slams that door and uh, I'm like I say I'm playing out there and fish she comes around the side of the house she hollers out Mark White get your tail up here right now but she didn't say tail Okay. And my mama didn't like to cuss in front of other people, but that day she did. Anyway, I had been caught red-handed. There was absolutely nothing that I could do or say to say, Mama, yeah, Mama, you're, Mama, you really did? You signed all them things. Oh, no, she knew. She knew I had signed all them papers. So I was dead in the water. I was dead in the water. There was absolutely nothing that I could do to get out of that. Well, needless to say, I had to confess. I had to be punished for it. Obviously, I lived through it, thank the Lord. But I'll tell you this, I never, ever, ever signed Mary Wyatt's name again to a piece of paper a day in my life. Never. So I learned my lesson, right? Well, Probably if you're in here today, you're, you're probably analyzing, you're thinking, okay, of the situation just like that, that you got your tail caught red-handed. You know, whether it's, you know, 
forging your mom or dad's name or whatever it may be, you're probably thinking about that situation. So let's look in Scripture. And it says this in John 8, 1 through 11. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Now, if you think about that, okay, think about that for just a moment. Now, they had caught this, this lady in that. Now, first off, my question is, where's the man at? Okay, where, where's the guy at? Okay, but I don't know. I'm not a scholar of old law or whatever. So maybe, you know, maybe the law didn't say anything about the man. Maybe it just says something about the woman. I, I don't really know. But anyway, they had caught this lady, y'all, in the act. In the act, there's nothing. There's, hey, you, you dead ahead. You busted, right? Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the, room, of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, when you think about, when you think about that scripture, the obvious hero in this story is who? Okay, it's, it's, it's not hard, and it's probably a name y'all probably already know. Jesus, that's right. Jesus is obviously the, the hero in this story because he saved the woman's life, right? But he showed compassion, he showed grace, he showed forgiveness. But it, what did he do at the end? He also showed accountability. He showed accountability to this woman by telling her, hey, you know, go and sin no more. But then he also flipped the tables and he, to, the, to the religious leaders and the Pharisees and held them accountable too, didn't he? He says, hey, you without no sin, hey, that's fine. Go ahead and cast the first stone. And look, there's no one, like I talked about before, there's no one in this room that hasn't done something probably more than once that we're ashamed of, right? Whether our shame is private or whether it's public, I can tell you shame is always, always painful. For me, I was ashamed that I had, I had disappointed my mom and dad. You know, you tell a get over a whooping, right? Okay? But I think the disappointment for me was when I knew I had... I had disappointed my parents. Well, I look back at that situation, and I can tell you this, and I'm, I'm fairly confident. I, I, I don't know. Dad may know. I don't know. But to my knowledge, my mom never told Miss Sanders that, that I had signed her name. So my mom offered me grace because I can tell you, 
if I had, if Miss Sanders knew that I had signed my mom's name, she would have asked me every single solitary time, hey, Mark, is this your mom's signature? Or, you know, are you sure your mama signed this? And she never did. So to my, to my knowledge, my mom showed me grace and never let Miss Sanders know. And because uh, trust me, I didn't need any more of Miss Sanders' attention. I had plenty of it, and I didn't need any more help, I promise you. Well, sometimes our shame, if you think about it, sometimes our shame is permanent. And that's not, and that's what is not meant to be. Okay, a lot of us, no, all of us, all of us have done things, said things that we are absolutely ashamed of. And I will tell you, the enemy reminds you that. Just when you think, just when you think, hey, I've turned the corner, I've turned the corner, he reminds you, doesn't he? He's the great accuser, isn't he? He's there just to accuse you. Because what's he want to do? He wants to keep you entrapped. He wants to keep you in a place to where you're not realizing that, hey, I'm free. I'm free from the condemnation. I'm free from the shame. Regardless of whether you're, you're free from that from other people, let me tell you today, you are free from that in Jesus Christ. You know, God has a way to shine his light and heal that part of our life because a lot of times it just seems like it's like a looming cloud just ready to rain on us, but that's not what God intends. But now listen, I can't imagine the shame of this woman being caught in the act. And then, of course, the Pharisees, I want you to to realize this. This woman really isn't the catch. Okay? She's really not the catch that that the religious leaders and the Pharisees really wanted. The, The catch is really Christ. It's who they really wanted, you know, because it says that they were trying to trap him. Listen, that woman was the bait. She wasn't the catch. And you need to realize today, especially those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when the enemy tries to, to shame you, you're just the bait. He's, he, if you get shamed in the process... That's all right by him. He really wants to shame the Lord. Because I can look at somebody and say, oh, well, look at Dean Edders. You know, look at Dean Edders. I mean, he, here he is supposed to be a good Christian man. Look what he's doing. You know, well, of course, that's going to bring shame on Dean. But it also discounts what God has already done in Dean's life. And that's what you got to realize. Sometimes we get too puffed up. We think, oh, we're the catch. No, you're not the catch. You're just the bait. And you better realize that, hey, it's really the enemy trying to get people to discount what God has done in your life. Always, always remember that. They wanted to trap Jesus because he offered grace and not condemnation. Because what did he say? He said, hey, look here. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So they knew, they, 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 they felt they had him trapped. Because I think they, deep down inside they said, hmm, he is not going to tell us to, to stone this lady. I mean, you think about that. All his ministry, he'd offer grace, compassion, love. And here these guys, what are they wanting? They wanting, they wanting to condemn somebody. Well, if you notice, if you notice the, the wisdom, compassion, and grace that Jesus offered this woman, you need to understand that he offers it to you and to I today. 
no matter what you've done. Verse 7, verse 7 says this, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now, let me tell you something. That's a mic drop moment, y'all. That is truly, that was a mic drop moment in time. They started slipping away one by one, beginning with the oldest. For me, another set of heroes in this story is the elders. When they started slipping away, even though they were the ones who brought this woman in, the older, the elders started slipping away one by one, is what the Word of God says. Had the older men held their ground and stood their ground, not only would this woman have been stoned to death, but they would stone Jesus Christ to death. But if you notice, young people today, they're looking for somebody to look up to. And these younger men, these younger men in the faith were no different. They they looked at these older men and they copied, they mimicked, and they followed exactly what these older men did. You know, Christ offers grace, compassion, and opportunity for redemption and forgiveness. Who am I to not offer them the same when I know that my God has done the exact same thing for me? There's certainly more things that I'm ashamed of, y'all, than signing my mom's name to a third grade. <laughs> third grade piece of paper, okay? But I also know that my, my Lord has forgiven me, even when others may not have. And I realize there's no condemnation in Christ. The sad reality of, of it is today's world, and even in the church today, is that, you know, we, we, it's so easy for us to, to look at a stone and be ready to cast it. You know, I, I hate to admit, but yeah, there are a lot of times when God has to remind me, Mark, you ain't no different. You know, I'll, I'll think of, I'll look at somebody's life and say, God, man, you know, they were so close. They were so close. If they would just push, if they would just push on, I don't know why they can't get it, you know. And as a leader, I can tell you, it does. It gets very frustrating. But then God gently reminds you, hey, here you are, Mark. You got a stone in your hand. And instead of you dropping it, you just raise it up even higher. And you just keep raising it any higher. And you think that's going to help that person? It ain't helping nobody. It ain't helping you. And it's not helping the other person. And it's tough. It's tough not to do that. Because I do love you. The leaders of this church love you. We know, we know, we know if you'll push and just keep pushing, God can do incredible things in your life and things that, you know, you held you captive, the shame and the resentment, the pain and the hurt, you know, that you have, he can free you from it. Don Edders Anytime I went through discipleship with Don and spiritual life studies, and even to this day, I can see him probably one of the wisest men that I've ever known. He always prays in Psalms nineteen fourteen, doesn't he, Dean? May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord my God, my rock and my redeemer. 
Let me tell you, today you may be like this woman, and you may be in a place of shame, in a place of hurt, maybe a place of anger. I don't know. But I can tell you that Christ can free you from it. Okay? I know there's accountability, and accountability is a good thing. Okay? I've had men hold me accountable for my words and my actions and the intentions of my heart, and I'm grateful because they led me to repentance. But never should we get to the place of accountability where we look to shame someone. Our job as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we talk about holding each other accountable, is to do it in such a way that it brings repentance, that we do it out of heart of love, and that we, that we can assure that we're trying to, to get people to repent. Not act a certain way, but true repentance. I've told my children, one thing I, I, when I raised my kids, I said, look, I appreciate you telling me sorry. I really do. I, I, that's fine. But if you never tell me you're sorry and you repent, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, I'm perfectly fine. And to me, I think that's a God characteristic. You know, God's probably tired of hearing us say we're sorry. He's saying, hey, let's repent. You know, because I know how much that sin is hurting you. I know how much that attitude is hurting you. I know how much that shame is hurting you. So maybe today you're like this woman. Maybe today you're young in your faith and you're battling your old self and you, you're trying, you're thinking, you, you know, what's the use in, in pushing on? Push on. Push on. Endurance is key in the faith. Maybe you're like these older men. You know, those of us who are walking in the faith, and we've been walking in the faith for a long time, it's very dangerous, though, because here's what can happen is that we, we get into a place to where, well, gosh, I don't have that kind of sin. You know, so why, like drinking. Y'all, I, I, ain't, I don't drink. I ain't never been drunk a day in my life. So for me, I don't see the big deal, but some of y'all struggle with alcohol, okay? But for me, it's a no-brainer. I'm like, okay, why you want to drink? That stuff tastes like gasoline, you know? But some of y'all taste like, you know, I don't know what it tastes like. It tastes like gasoline to me. But some of y'all, you like it. I don't know. But I can tell you this, is there's no condemnation in Christ. The things that hold you back, God can free you from and I can tell you, it's a game changer. It's a game changer not only for your life, it's a game changer for your family's life. You know, it is so cool, you know, today to, to and I'm, I'm deeply honored for Mark to, to ask me to baptize him, but then also to see him baptize his son, you know. And so it's generational, you know. And that's what we're all about, you know. He's, he's the priest, he's the head of his household, you know. And tag, he's it. It ain't on me. His house isn't on me. It's on him. You know, but I know Mark's going to step up. And that's cool. And I see many of you that I can look out through this crowd and I've seen where God grow you up. You know, I'll start over here with, with Dean and Tim, Tim Wilford back in the, what, late 90s, probably when y'all come to know the Lord and stuff. Man, that was probably one of the start of our revival here at, at Chester, well, at the time it was Chester Second Baptist Church. You know, guys like that, you know, coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, man, I'm telling you, and I can just look across this crowd and I can just see how God has just moved in each one of his life. 
And I'll tell you, as a leader, it encourages us um, because we know, we know you're staying at it. My encouragement to you is stay at it. Do not allow the enemy to shame you, no matter what you've gone through. You may have been like this lady caught in adultery. You may be in divorce. You may be in a family, a bad family situation. Your marriage may be in shambles. And you think that thing defines you. No, that doesn't define you. You focus on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you, those things, those things start to get in order. Those things always get in order. You know, for me, I, I really like this series. And I'll close with this. I love this series of unsung heroes because when you look at these stories, you know, obviously, obviously we know the big, the big heroes in the story. But for me, what's so cool is when you see these unsung heroes, like these elders and these men who stepped up and, you know, walked away. Those are people just like me and you. And I don't know who all you guys can influence in your realm today. I work, me and Kyle, we work in Little Winsboro. We we in the office together, and I don't know whose lives we have the ability to impact. But the people that I can impact, you don't have the opportunity to because you don't never see them and you don't know them. Likewise, I don't see the people that you get to influence day in and day out. Let me tell you something. You are an unsung hero. Now, you and I will never be mentioned in the Bible, and you know what? That's good. We don't need to be missing in the Bible. But you know what? You can, you can be mentioning someone's faith. And you can be an unsung hero in their life. And so think about that. At all times, somebody is always, always watching to see how you're going to act and how you're going to react. And not saying you ain't never going to mess up. You're going to mess up. But God offers grace. He offers compassion. And just like the stone, don't never forget, don't never forget, it's easy to pick this thing up and raise your hand. But you better also realize, just like Mark's down there, and I could be up here raising this stone, put yourself in that position and you're looking up. And if all you see people is just ready to condemn you, and you don't see Jesus Christ on that cross, and let me tell you, as a Christian, you and I have failed, and we have failed miserably. Drop the stone. Instead, point people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing that I can do to save you. That's above my pay grade. Only thing I can tell you, hey, I'm a beggar. Tell another beggar where the food's at. Look, the food's up there on the cross. It's in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace today. I thank you for your compassion, your love that you've always extended to us. And God, you are so good to us. Lord, I can look back in my life and see where I have been forgiven of so much. And so, God, help me to show that kindness and, and forgiveness to other people. Lord, today, I don't know who in here need, needed this message. But I also know today, Lord, that you are good. And, Lord, you're good for every situation, whether it's a shameful situation, whether public or whether it's private. And, God, only you can do the work that can be done in our lives. So thank you for that, Christ, for dying on the cross. Thank you for allowing us to have the Holy Spirit to live a new life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.